everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show podcast. Hey, this is Matt Breckwald. It is great to be with you, and I'll tell you what, fair season is coming right up, and we are lucky enough today to be speaking with Taylor Harrison coming to us from Sullivan Supply in Dunlap, Iowa, the Stock Show University Manager. Lots of questions about getting ready for the fair. So, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to do this. Well, good. I, I'm happy to speak with you. And, uh, you know, I live in the world of uh, 4-H and FFA and interviewing FFA students, and I hear so much about Sullivan Supply. It is, uh, it's nice to be able to, to have you on and be able to ask some of the questions I've always wanted to ask. So I'd, I'd love to jump in. You ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about you. So what does it mean to be the Stock Show University Manager and what's your history and background that led you to this? Um, so I grew up um, in Michigan and then um, through my journeys, I, I showed in 4-H, I showed cattle um, and then it, I did livestock judging when I was at Michigan State and then I coached livestock judging team while I did my master's in West Virginia, and you're probably thinking, well, that doesn't, doesn't really under, make sense of why you're the stock show you manager. Um, but just through networking, um, it was actually someone that I showed cattle for, um, already worked for Sullivan Supply. And after I graduated, um, I came on as the stock show you intern. And fortunately, it just progressed into being the stock show you manager um, where I am now. So um, like the kids that you said that you talked to, uh, 4-H has been pretty much my whole life. Um, I've still heavily involved in my parents' cattle operation back home. Um, and so I live and breathe uh, the livestock industry, not only obviously through my work, um, but through my personal life as well. Okay. Now on your, your parents' operation, is it a registered operation? Are they showing cattle or is it commercial? Um, so we run about 30, 35 head of predominantly club calf. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, have some mains and scimitols, uh, mainly is the background on those. Um, so we market those to 4-Hers um, for their projects. Okay. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of Sullivan Supply. When did they, when did they I guess, become Sullivan Supply and, and why did that happen? Uh, Sullivan Supply was started in 1989 by the founders, John and Dee Dee Sullivan. Um, so the Sullivan family, which a lot of people are, are probably aware of, um, had been involved in agriculture their whole lives. And John saw that there was a need for products um, that we, you know, we sell now. And so actually they started uh, this in a garage. And mm -hmm. it's amazing to think about that now as the company ha has progressed and grown. Um, so it just started with few show supplies that he was uh, taking to shows and trying to sell out of a pickup truck. Um, and mm -hmm. then it, it kicked off and branched out. And that's what we have uh, Stockshire University, which that was in 2010. So many years later, uh, John realized that there wasn't something for the kids uh, in order to help them. And that's a, a huge passion of his. And if people are ever fortunate enough uh, to see him at a clinic, you'll see the passion that he has to be able to help the youth of our industry. So that's how Stock Show U was, was founded. And then um, kind of progressed even more of seeing a need and the Pulse was founded, which the Pulse is uh, a blog. It's pretty much the, the who's who in the industry in terms of we update um, 
show results. We'll have a, a team here in the office that travels to those shows and post results. Anything that's happening in the industry, birthdays, new shows, new products, anything. It's kind of um, where everybody goes in the industry to find to find those news. Um, and I would say a, a, a third pillar that's really important along with that branched off is the scholarship foundation. Um, so there is, we give out $21,000 scholarships each year. Mm-hmm. And we actually just announced the winners, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, to give back. And so that, I mean, that's the focus of Sullivan supply. And that's what makes Sullivan supply different than other companies out there is the family aspect has, is what started the company and that foundation has remained, uh, there. Um, we do a lot of different in sponsorships and involvements throughout the country. Um, you're talking about in, in this podcast, you know, we're talking about getting ready for fair. And mm-hmm. right now as a company, we're prepping for the heifer junior nationals, which is one of our, our busiest times a year. We sponsor fitting contests, clinics, um, at 13 heifer junior nationals, as well as many majors and things like that through fitting contests, um, at those ones and other species as well, besides cattle. So there's a lot of things that happen here at Sullivan Supply, um, but it the foundation and everything is centered around giving back uh, to our customers. You know, that's interesting. I, I want to ask you about a fitting contest. So how is that different than just a normal like market quality stock show or something like that? Uh, do you, is there like a, is, is the judge watching like a before and after picture or something like that? How does that work? So for a fitting contest, um, if it's a cattle fitting contest, there's usually three to four kids per team. If it's a lamb or goat fitting contest, there's two. Um, and what we do is there's, they're given a lot of time, um, 30 minutes for cattle, usually 40, 45 minutes for goats and sheep. And those kids fit that animal in that time. Uh, frame and there's someone there judging how well that they're working together. And so mm. obviously we, we like the fitting contest because they're using our products and they're practicing and it's helping for the next generation. But what we really like the fitting contest for is the skills that it's teaching the kids. Um, they're learning, you know, how to work together. They're learning to time management. And it, it's pretty cool to see because it's kids of all ages working together and sometimes gets a little crazy with the paint. Um, but it's really neat to see those kids work together and work on their skills and, and build those bonds. Absolutely. All right. Well, obviously Sullivan supply has gone through, uh, some great periods of growth. You're selling products now out here in Idaho where we're at and in Oregon, where we're also at in the DNB supply, sh- uh, DNB supply stores. Now, a couple I wanted to ask you about uh, were wool grower and sure coat max. And we want to, we want to talk about these products in terms of getting ready for the fair and, you know, being able to give your best foot forward at the fair when you, when you get into that, that show arena. Uh, Can you talk about those a little bit? Yep. Um, So before I kind of dive in on those products, I guess the biggest thing about preparing for, for fair or any show is having a routine. Um, You know, the, the more work you put in, the greater your chances for success are. Mm -hmm. Um, We preach to cattle kids. We preach, you know, Growing hair is such a big thing. Um, it's actually in all species now, but is, you know, 120 days is a hair coat cycle. Um, so what that means is, you know, as the days 
get longer, there's more sunlight, cattle naturally are going to, to shuck their hair and you want to get all that dead hair out um, on that first day from 20, 120 days from your target show. So okay. that would be fair, would be your target show. Okay. Um, and so as part of your routine is, you know, rinsing your animals, washing your animals as often as you can, feeding them at the same, same time each day. Um, those basic things and then the products that I'm going to touch on here that you mentioned um, will set you up for success is, you know, just like you and I, we get up in the morning, hopefully everybody brushes their teeth, you know, showers, brushes the hair, does the same thing every day to prepare ourselves for success. It's the same thing you need to do when it comes to projects. So, so I guess first I'll start with, with SureCoat Max. So we had a product um, previously that was just SureCoat and how this product works into your daily routine is it's going to be a conditioner that's going to help you grow more hair. Uh, Surecoat Max is designed to target cattle, lambs, and goats. Okay. Um, as far as how this product works, so it's different than a normal conditioner like a Clean Sheen or a Revive or Revive Light that we sell, is that it contains essential oils that are, are lighter, and those essential oils are able to work into, into the base of the hair and then um, through that, it stimulates the hair growth. So if you need a little extra boost um, in terms of getting a little bit more hair, uh, that's where I would I would put SureCoat into it. And the best way to use SureCoat is after you get done rinsing or washing for that day is just put it in a spray bottle and then spray it on onto the body, onto the legs. Okay. Um, where the wool grower, um, as I mentioned, SureCoat Max can be used for lambs. Um, but obviously, you know, hair like in cattle and goats is different than wool. Um, so we noticed that the sure coat does help on lambs, but it wasn't getting the same amount of growth. Um, and you know, shag is such a big thing. If you, if you hear judges a lot, they mention shag and the reasons. Um, and so we came on a wool grower, um, and how this differs from sure coat max is that it has clover oil in it. So the clover oil works better with the wool um, and that helps stimulate the hair growth. Um, and so we saw that a wool grower, you get faster results in terms of trying to grow leg hair than if you're using uh Sherco max and lambs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that actually enhances the hair growth. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, everybody wants that, that one product or that one thing that's automatically going to, to get you a lot of hair growth. Um, and you know, there isn't a magic potion out there. It's a lot to do with genetics and, and hard work and brushing will stimulate mm -hmm. hair growth, but these products um, will help be a catalyst in terms of the hard work that you're putting in. Okay. Now I have male pattern baldness. Can I use this stuff on myself? Yeah, go for it. Let, it, <laughs> let us know how it works. <laughs> yeah. I want, uh, I want a finder's fee if I invent a new product for hair growth, you know, that just shoots you into a whole new arena here. Yeah. You know, that one, that one magic product, keep us in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the importance in the, in the show ring? What's the importance of hair growth? Why is hair so important? I mean, obviously you're talking about the hair on the legs of the sheep uh, and, but the rest of the sheep is going to be sheared uh, close to, close to the show. So talk about the importance. Why is hair growth so important for, for succeeding there? Um, hair growth is what I like to call the cherry on top. Um, so it's kind of like if you're comparing two people and one person 
brush their hair, you know, put on some nice clothes. They don't look like they're rolled out of bed in their pajamas. One's going to be more aesthetically pleasing than the other. Um, so that's a big thing with hair growth is it looks nicer um, to the judge, to the eye, but it also um, can kind of help hide flaws of your animals to so say, you know, you have a calf that maybe breaks a little bit in their top, but you have a little bit more hair there. So when you clip that down, it looks more level. Um, along with that is bone is really popular right now. So foot size and bone in, in all species. Um, so having more hair on your legs, having more wool on your legs is going to give that interpretation, regardless if it's true or not, but that your animal has more bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it just takes it one step farther. Um, it's just more attractive. Um, it's a lot like I like to tell people, you know, like a dog showing the hair is a big thing there. And it's just kind of, it's kind of trickled over into other industries. You know, it's so interesting. You go in and you watch these shows and you know, my daughter showed cheap for years. So that's where the, I guess the largest amount of my experience is, but man, just class after class, after class, after class of lambs are coming in for this one judge who's doing all this judging. And so uh, you know, obviously you're going to, he's going to be able to pick out and look at it two lambs right off the bat and go, well, this one is supreme and this one is not going to rank. But when you get down to separating and figuring out the difference between two that are really close, it's these types of little things. They're going to stand out, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you want, you want to give yourself every tool that you can to be successful. Um, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes genetics don't play in your favor. Um, but with some hard work, you can usually get, um, some good, good hair growth. Now, I know you mentioned when we started the interview about, um, participating and being on a livestock judging team in college, did you ever do it professionally after that? Uh, yeah, I have judged a handful of shows. Um, I judged a lot more when I was in grad school, had a little more time, um, but I still, I still judge, I actually judged, um, a hog show down in Florida this, this winter. Um, I haven't, haven't went there before. And so mm-hmm. through my connections, um, I'm able to judge not as much as I'd like. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's fun to still be on that side of it, especially, uh, being in a position that I am here with Sullivan. What'd you get your graduate degree in? My graduate degree was in beef cattle nutrition. Interesting, man. I barely passed my one nutrition class in my animal science <laughs> degree and you got a master's in it. Wow. Well, it's a little, little different when you do grad school because you get to pick the classes that you <laughs> want to do. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. Did you get a master's or a PhD? I got a master's. Okay. So. Wow. No, no doctor here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. Uh, okay. So I wanted to ask you, I've always just been curious about this when it comes to, to showing these animals, whether it's beef, uh, I've shown beef cattle and help to fit uh, beef cattle for a registered operation that I worked for. And then of course my daughter showed sheep. So I've been involved with that. It's mm-hmm. always so interesting to me because like what you said, you're covering up flaws, whether or not it's true, you're making it look like that flaw is not there. Now, is there a watershed moment in the history of livestock shows where people realized if I start not just raising a good quality market animal or something like that, but I start grooming and I start exercising, I started doing this, that I'm going to stand out in the show ring. When did that begin? Do you know? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I can't say that I can, you know, pinpoint a specific show or things like that. Um, but it, I know that it definitely happened um, when I was in 4-H. I mm-hmm. actually started out showing a slicked rat-tailed gray steer, and hair wasn't a big deal. But by mm-hmm. the time time I was done showing, hair hair was a bigger deal. So um, I guess somewhere between 2000 2013 uh, is when it really took off. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, as you're judging a class of animals and, and you're judging them based on what's supposed to be their marketability, I suppose. Um, why don't they just shave them completely and just make everything as equal as possible? That That is a good point. The equal part is a good point. Um, so down South, uh, there's only one steer show in Texas that is haired. That would be Fort Worth and everything else is flicked. And we hear it a lot about, you know, it, it's equal if everybody doesn't have hair, but that's not true because okay. those kids, that are working hard and, you know, are feeding correctly and exercising correctly, whether they have hair or not, they're still going to be a step ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, so those kids that normally are going to be in the middle of middle of the class, you know, the fourth, fifth, having the extra hair is going to help them. Um, you know, because maybe, maybe someone's not as, um, experience in nutrition or exercise or things like that, you know, th- that they'll learn over the course of their career, having an extra hair is going to give them, you know, an extra bump to be a place or two higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so hair doesn't make it not equal. Um, it, it's the work everybody does at home. Is that, I guess that makes sense. Cause that point gets brought up a lot of, you know, well, I think you know, level the playing field, but those that work hard, work hard regardless of if they have hair or don't have hair. Right. And I think you're exactly right that uh, the hair being there, if somebody is excelling because they've developed that skill set and they've put in the time and they did that hundred and I think you said 180 days or 140 days uh, ahead of time of, of scheduling that out and doing that work, I think that's showing something to the judge. Uh, it's showing your devotion, how hard you worked on the project and where you're at, even if it's not coming across in that way, that's what's being reflected by how well you've got that animal prepared. Correct. And, you know, it's not like the judges are taking a ruler and saying, well, you have six inches of hair, (laughs) so that's better than the half inch of hair, you know, the animal behind you. Um, and, and I think a lot of people get caught up in, in the length of hair instead of the quality. Um, and that's where those products that we're talking about are really key. Um, I, and a friend of mine, actually, she's preparing for junior nationals and slicked off her son's heifer. And so it had no hair Mm -hmm. and, but now they're starting to get that new hair growth and, you know, it will probably only be a half inch, maybe an inch of hair. Um, and there will be animals at the show that will have more hair, uh, than her kid's animal, but the quality is really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you about this uh, as as we're in the final stretch, at least here in our region of getting ready for our fairs and, and for our exhibitors. What should they be doing in this last, you know, two to three to maybe four weeks as they're preparing for the show ring? Should anything be changing? Should they be implementing something new? Should they be refining a skill? What should they be doing in the kind of the home stretch here? Uh, a couple of things that come to mind um, as you are getting down that home stretch is what you feed and water your animals in. Um, so probably going to have to, you know, feed them in pans 
um, when you get to the, get to the fair. And if they're not eating in those at home, you want to make sure that they're used to doing that before you get to the show. Okay. Uh, the same thing with water. Um, however, they're going to get their water at the show. You want to make sure that that's how they're getting their water at home. So if you have a water tank, um, at home, you know, empty your water tank and make them only drink out of buckets. Um, it's, it's a good thing to, to help, um, once you get to the show. Um, and along with that is, we recommend a week before getting to a show, you know, if an animal doesn't want to eat or drink, um, it's starting them on electrolytes. Um, so we have restore pro, it just goes in the water kind of similar. If you think about like Gatorade. So if your animal does go off feed or off water, um, it's, it's not going to dehydrate them and it's not going to hurt them. Um, the other thing that comes to mind of getting in the home stretch is when it comes to, to showmanship and just being in your class is, getting your animals used to that amount of time that they're going to be out in the ring. Um, so, you know, it make sure that your animal is used to standing there for a half hour. Um, you don't know how long your class is going to be. Um, you know, it's going to depend on judges, obviously, but if you're only, you know, working with your animal, you're only walking your hog for, for 10 minutes. Well, your class is probably going to take longer than that. Um, so increase your exercise um, leading up to the show to help build that stamina will be really key once you get to the fair. That's interesting. Uh, and possibly keep those animals from getting restless and maybe behaving badly in the, yep, in the ring. Yep. And, you know, temperature too. Um, I'm not sh- sure what your guys' weather is out there right now, but, um, you know, it, it's heating up here. Uh-huh. Um, so getting those animals used to that heat, um, because just like us, you know, if you're not used to being outside, and you go sit outside for a while, you're, you're probably going to not want to do anything. Um, you don't want to want to have your animal overheat or lay down or your hog quits driving on you just because they're not used to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about the mental side for the exhibitor? They're nervous getting out there in front of that crowd. They're, they're nervous. Maybe they've never done it before. Any tips or tricks or things that you've seen that have derailed uh, somebody who's going along well out there in the ring? Um, being nervous is a good thing. I think if you're not nervous, you don't care enough. Um, and I guess this tip would probably be a little bit more for, for parents is, you know, I see a lot of times parents want to plug their kid's head full of information right before they go into the ring, you know, make sure you look at the judge, make sure your feet are set, make sure you do all those things. Mm -hmm. At that point, if you're not prepared, it's too late. Um, so I guess the parents, I would say, just let your kid go, tell them, tell them to have fun. Um, and that it always seems silly when, when I got told that because I'm a a very competitive person, but it's true at that point, um, you've done the work and, you know, there's nothing else that you can do at that point. And so it's okay to be nervous, you know, kind of try to make a mindset of taking a a deep breath as you walk into the ring and it's going to be okay. Um, and know that not every time you step in the ring is going to be successful. Um, you know, it, it might not be your day. Um, your animal might decide this is the day they want to act up. <laughs> right. Um, and just, you gotta, gotta roll with the punches and, and know that it's, it's going to be okay. Um, I, I know it's not a, there's not a key thing I can tell people, but mm. it's just, it, it have fun. It's going to be okay. Um, and you'll make it through it. <laughs> okay. One last piece of advice for these exhibitors out there and something that, uh, and by the way, I was that parent filling my daughter with all sorts of information. And she's, <laughs> I, I, I don't have kids of my own, but I've, 
I've definitely been guilty of that as well. Yeah, and she's <laughs> handing me the halter. I'm I'm trying to give her last minute instruction. But I always I always watched her and I wanted I always wanted to know and I wanted to help her find where the line was between setting up your animal, but then reaching a point where you go, Well, it is what it is. I've got to stop because I need to have this animal set and the judge is going to be looking. And, you know, if I'm setting up this animal the entire time, it's not going to bode well for me. Right. Um, the motto I always kind of told myself and told kids, tell kids that I help is close enough is good enough. And, you know, you've done the practice at home and you know what your animal is supposed to look like set up. And it usually is when it's like, you're a half a step off. You're like, well, I just want to get it perfect. Right. Just leave it. Um, it. It's just like you said, it's it's better to be set up and standing and allowing the judge to get a look than out there, you know, circling, messing with feet. And mm-hmm. that's honestly, a it's, it's hard for a judge to judge your animal if you keep circling, you keep messing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that's probably going to hurt you more than help you getting that foot correct is, you know, the judge didn't get a good look at you. So they're just going to go ahead and place you instead of allowing that look. Um, so yeah, I would stick with close enough is good enough. Okay. That is great advice. Taylor, this has been awesome. Where can people go for more information, uh, about your products, about stock show university, uh, showing in general. So you can find, uh, all of our products, at sullivansupply.com. Um, our, our stock show you page is on there as well, as well as a link to the pulse. Um, and one thing I would be uh, reminisce if I didn't mention is that we have videos for cattle kids um, trying to work on other species um, that are kind of Netflix style. We call it stock show you online. We came out with it last year um, in breaks down daily care, showmanship, clipping and fitting. Um, so that will be a, a helpful tool um, you can also see our events there on the Stock Show You page. And I believe that we will be coming back to Idaho next spring if all is well in the world again. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and doing this today. It's absolutely valuable information. I appreciate the opportunity. It was fun. Well, thank you for being here, everybody. And thank you again to Taylor Harrison and Sullivan Supply for that wonderful information. Good luck to all of you and all of your exhibitors at the fairs and the shows coming up this year. And as always, enjoy your Western lifestyle, however you define it. <music>